We're going to look in Matthew chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll get there in just a second. I will give you a little bit of report from our team that just got back. Uh, Linda went with me. Karen, wherever Karen is, there's Karen and Rachel. There's Rachel in the back. Good Baptist in the back. We just got back. Uh, let's see. We all got in bed probably about 2 o'clock yesterday morning. Yep. And that was fun. One of the best things about going on a mission trip is flying 12 hours. Yes. <laughs> now, we had a very good time, and uh, we, we're actually going to plan. We'll, we'll get this on the calendar and tell you about it later, but we're going to plan a gathering probably in January where you can come and have some, uh, as best we can make it, Jordanian food for you, and then tell you about our, our trip and sort of just have a fun little event like that. And uh, I'm sure throughout my message this morning, I'll throw in some other little, oh yeah, let me tell you about that, you know, kind of moments. But just want to encourage you to be praying for the ministry there. Just a reminder, the church is Rawway Baptist, and they actually had their service. Oh wait, let's see. It is seven hours. They're seven hours ahead of us. So that would put them about, what, five o'clock, almost six o'clock over there. So they're about to have service tonight, actually. Huh, I didn't realize that. We have church at the same time on Sunday. Look at that. Uh, so you can pray for them. Uh, pastor Philip Sahani is the senior pastor there, and uh, we, we've had a very good time uh, spending time with them and uh, just doing ministry there for all the refugees uh, and also ministering to the, to the missionaries who are there and spending time with them and encouraging them. So at the end of this uh, service today, during the, in, in the uh, offering, wow, y'all need to pray because the fog is heavy up here. Uh, uh, during the offering today, I'm going to show you a video and just sort of talk through uh, what you're going to watch of uh, some converts being baptized in the Jordan River. So that's pretty cool. And just, I can't say enough about the opportunity that you have to actually go on a trip like this and, or at least support those who, uh, who go on it. A final thought, I was just talking with Judy McGavick about those of you who helped us get those Christmas bags ready for the kids. Uh, it's possible that those bags are going to end up in Mosul, Iraq, which is just crazy. <clears throat> I knew this would happen. Uh, so be praying that something as simple as a little Super Bowl. That's what we call them when I was a kid, those Super Bowls, you know, that bounced all crazy. Something as simple as that could be a tool for a kid to come to church in Mosul, Iraq. I mean, that's just crazy to me. And that you provided those kinds of things and helped put those together. So uh, as we learn about where those bags ended up, if they end up, if they stay in Fuhase or if they go off to another country, uh, we will uh, keep you posted about all of that. Are you going to hurt me or something? What are you doing? <clears throat> I just came from a, a place where if you're running at me and doing the service, that's not a good thing. So, okay. I appreciate that. Johnny on the spot. Yes. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be, uh, actually I'm starting, uh, I'm 
headlining, if that's the word. Uh, that's not a good word. I'm starting the thir- sermon series for December, and it's called A Weary World Rejoices. Does that, sound, that line sound familiar to you? I thought it was pretty clever, Pastor Philip. Oh, by the way, I, d- I haven't mentioned him this morning, have I? Okay. Uh, our pastor's name is Philip, and uh, he's in Uganda right now, which is eight-hour difference. I have no clue when they're having church today. It's probably already done. Uh, but you want to pray for him and his wife and uh, Mike and Darlene King as they're there this week. Next week, we're going to see. Oh, y'all can tell him this next Sunday. I didn't say this to him. We're going to see who does better on jet lag. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, We're going to be at Matthew 1 to get us started on this theme, A Weary World Rejoices, and the message, actual message title for today is He Came For Me. He Came For Me, and I appreciated the lyrics of the song that Emily just sang and the last song that we did together, which I don't remember the title of it right now, but uh, there were good, good lyrics that connect with the thoughts of He Came For Me, and I would just like for you to uh, reiterate this message by saying this out loud, this phrase, he came for me. Let's all say it together. He came for me. You, you may not always think about that, that when, when we sing Christmas carols and we look at the decorations and uh, you go shopping on Black Friday, I don't know who's crazy enough to do that. If you did, I'm sorry. But uh, th- this isn't about all of that stuff. It's about the relationship that got started because he came for you. Amen? So let's say it again. He came for me. And when you look at Matthew 1, Matthew 1 is going to be one of those passages when we read it and you're like, wow, I've skipped that 500 times because it seems unnecessary for me to read that. And why do I say that? How many of you love reading the genealogies in the Bible? It's just one of your favorite habits. I see maybe three hands. Yeah. Well, y'all are not normal. Uh, Those of us who are more normal, we tend to skip those things. Uh, I'm just being, am I right? How many of you skip the genealogies? You skip them. You're like, I don't know. Why does it matter? I don't know how to say those names. Who cares? Well, guess what? This one matters. They all matter. But this one matters. And we're going to talk about that. And actually, it's interesting, before we read it, uh, Jesus' genealogy is recorded in another location in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 3. And let's see who really studies the genealogies. You ready? Here's a question. How many of you know that the genealogies in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 don't match? Okay, more hands. Congratulations. Wow, y'all do study. Nice. They don't match. And for those of you who haven't looked at that before, you're going to have to, I'm not going to read both of them today. I'm going to only read one. But it'll, it'll make you scratch your head. Like, what's up with that? That looks like there's a problem. So let me give you a... It's not an actual we-know-this-for-sure thing, but here's what this, the uh, theory is about that. That the reason why there's two different genealogies listed is because the audience that those two books were written to and the intent of the writers. So Matthew was following the genealogy through Joseph, the father. Much like if you go to Ancestry.com, anybody done Ancestry.com? A few 
hands up, okay. When you do that, it's like you're gonna follow your tree line through your parents, both of them, right? Okay, that's what happens. <laughs> telling you, that's what happens. And so that's what Matthew does. He follows the genealogy through Joseph and Luke follows it through Mary. So when you're reading that, you're reading obviously different parents and different histories that are going on. And interesting note about that, uh, when Luke goes to record his, he is following the public record that's written, uh, and which would tend, well, it does, uh, in that time, it followed, again, through the mother. But because of the way women were viewed in that culture, y'all didn't know you were going to get a history lesson this morning, so you know, bear with me a couple more moments. Uh, because of the way women were viewed in that culture, in Luke's recording of the genealogy, Mary's name's not even mentioned. No women are mentioned in the genealogy, whereas when we read Matthew's in a minute, women's names are mentioned. Interesting. Don't forget that. Women are mentioned one, not in the other one. So when you, when you read Luke's recording, and it says that uh, the father of Jacob is one guy, and then you read Matthew's recording, and it's a different guy, it's because Luke couldn't change the recording uh, of the, the public record to put Mary's name in it. So the father that's listed there for Jacob is actually Mary's father. Huh, interesting. Genealogies have a point. And the reason why Matthew uh, did his is because he wanted to show his readers who he was writing to Jews. He wanted to show his readers their connection through the royal line in their history all the way back to Abraham. Luke had a different purpose. Luke was writing to Gentiles. He was writing to us, you might say. And he wanted to show the genealogy all the way back to Adam. Both of these work together to show us that Jesus covered it all. Jesus came for all of us. He covered our needs spiritually. He covered our need, covered our need physically. He came for everybody. Doesn't matter your background. Nothing matters except you're human and you're a sinner and he came for you. So let's repeat it. That phrase, let's say it together, four words. He came for me. Let's stand together as we read Matthew 1, 1 through 17. We're reading the genealogy of a king, so we should stand as we read it. Wouldn't you agree? Well, you're doing it whether you want to or not. Verse 1, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. There's the first woman mentioned. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. That would be Bathsheba. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam fathered Abijah. Abijah fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fathered Joram. Joram fathered Uzziah. Uzziah fathered Jotham. Jotham fathered Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah fathered Manasseh. Manasseh fathered Ammon, Ammon fathered Josiah, and Josiah fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. 
pause there for a moment. When you study all of these men and women, you'll find that that name Jeconiah in the Old Testament, he actually had a curse placed on him by God. Yet he's listed here in the genealogy of Jesus. These women's names that were mentioned, they all, uh, excuse me, three of them have been involved in sexual immorality and one was a Gentile. But they're listed here in the genealogy of the Messiah. That should say something to us. Verse 12. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Shatil. Shatil fathered Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abiud. Abiud fathered Eliakim. Eliakim fathered Azor. Azor fathered Zadok. Zadok fathered Achim. Achim fathered Eliad. Eliad fathered Eleazar. Eleazar fathered Methan. Methan fathered Jacob. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the exile to Babylon until the Christ, 14 generations. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Lord, today congregations around the world are starting to focus on the birth of your son. You're starting to be reminded that all this stuff that we look at in the world means nothing without you. And that you came for every person that's ever lived, that is alive now, and that will live. You are powerful. You are holy. And today, we lift your name high. I pray as we just look at some simple truths that you came for us, that we will leave here today humbled, and grateful that you are so merciful and gracious to us to send your son for us. I ask your blessings over this time. I pray this in your name. Amen. You can be seated. So in this history that we just read, and when you go read Luke 3, if you want to choose to do that, Google some articles about it and see if John said anything wrong as a... You were just uh, listening to me tell the history of that. Uh, in these, you see, in these, both these listings, you see history. You see history of mankind. And if, if all we did was learn from this genealogy that God is a God that cares about man, just enough to list their names, and you can, show, you can study history and study the Bible and see his involvement in their lives, that that in itself would make you want to get on your knees and just say thank you. Uh, what grace, uh, what, uh, it, it just sort of blows your mind to think uh, that that's, that's the kind of relationship he offers us. And it doesn't matter what label you have, it doesn't matter what your history is, he came for you. And that's what I want to talk about today. And all of these people that we could study their histories, they're all examples of us. 
They all have history. They all, have, they all lived in certain situations that we happen to see little pictures of their lives in the Bible. And we all get to share in the same truth that if we place our faith in this Jesus who came to die for us, that we have a future that's going to last forever with him. So first of all, let's talk about this. He came for where I've been. There's going to be three comments today under these notes that he came for me, and they're written as more like things you could say for yourself. He came for where I've been. Say that with me. He came for where I've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. He came for that. You think about all of these people again. Uh, you know, Ruth, for example. Ruth was a Moabite. Moabites were actually uh, a d descendants of... An, immoral act. So everybody, and, the, and they're not Jews. So the idea that the Messiah, the promised Messiah for the Jews, has in his heritage a Gentile is a little crazy, if you think about it. That's an example to us. It doesn't matter where you've been. He came for you. He came for all of us. This is written about in Luke 2.32. Look at this verse. This is a, a in the middle of a quote by Simeon, who uh, Simeon has just put his eyes on the baby Jesus. And he, in verse 30, he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. In verse 32, he says this, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. He was describing the infant in his arms. He said, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Who are we in our past? Guess what? We are all in the same boat when we are born, and that boat is outsiders. We're all outsiders. What do I mean by that? Spiritually, we are not connected to God the minute you're born. And that may be hard for some people to receive, but that's the truth. None of us were born immediately connected to Jesus. We're outsiders. If you go to Jordan, <laughs> you feel like an outsider, that's for sure, as an American. But even the, the refugees that we worked with, they're coming in from other countries. They feel like outsiders. How many of you ever felt like an outsider somewhere? Yeah. You go into a new job. You're green. People, you know, a lot of stuff can happen when you go to a new job. For you students, you go to ninth grade. Mm, outsider. You go to college, first year of college, man, that'll blow your brain. We've all had a chance where we feel like an outsider, and he came for everyone who ever felt like that. I know he, you know, it's a little hard to put your mind around that he was God and man at the same time, but him coming here, he put himself in our shoes as an outsider. Do you see that? He was an outsider, and he was not received well either. But here, Simeon says he's going to be a revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to all the people. A weary world rejoices. What are we weary from? As an outsider, you are weary from being alone. You are weary from possibly feeling guilt, feeling shame or feeling like you just don't fit in. Jesus came for all the outsiders. 
We're all outsiders at some point in our lives, and until we receive him and place our faith in him as our Savior, we remain outside. So the hope that we all have is that no one is excluded. Everyone is invited in to a relationship with this child. Everyone. He came for where you've been. Say that with me one more time. He came for where I've been. And it's interesting. I just want to make this point, and we'll move on to the second one. We're not, all not only born as outsiders, we're all actually born on this road to hope. We're all looking for hope when we were born. We may not have realized that. We may not have realized that too much later in life. But we're born with this idea that I, I don't have, something's missing. I'm looking for that thing, whatever that thing is. And we're looking for hope. And it's it, being from where we just were. And it doesn't matter what religious label was put on your bassinet when you were born. <laughs> you may have been born in a Christian home. You could have been born in a Muslim home, a Buddhist home, an atheist home, a I don't know home, a, a Baptist home, a whatever. The label that was put on that bassinet, the religious label, you with me? Are you with me? The religious label does not give you hope. Doesn't happen. That religious label just means that's where you show up and do church. I watched Pastor Izzat, the pastor that we support uh, there in Jordan, I watched him have conversations with Christians and actually lead a couple of them in a prayer of salvation because they had never done that before. Well, what do you mean, John, if they're Christians? Because they were just born into a village that was Christian and not Muslim. It was just a label. They were born spiritually outside. And until all of us, and we're all like that, until we all realize I'm outside of the spiritual hope that I need, I'm going to stay there until I place my faith in this child who came for me. Let's go to the second thing. He came for where you've been, and he came for where you are. Say that with me. He came for where I am. He came, I've misled y'all, sorry. Let's do that again. He came for where I am. There we go. Let's look at Matthew 1, 21. This is a quote by the angel. We just read 1 through 17, and then the angel shows up to make an announcement to Joseph, which, boy, we could do a whole thing about Joseph. Uh, but verse 21, he says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their, what's the last word? Sins. He came for where I am and where we are, all of us, whether we like it or not, we are all sinners. We are all outsiders. We were born outsiders, and we were all born sinners, and we're weary until we place our faith in Jesus, we are some weary human travelers trying to do it on our own, trying to earn it on our own. How many of you finally woke up one day and said, I can't do this anymore? Anybody ever felt like that about your spiritual journey? I see heads nodding. Yes. And again, it, it's probably back to that label, whatever that label was that you had when you were born, the religious label. Maybe you were taught this is, this is how it works. It works. <laughs> How good, can you good outweigh your bad? 
Every one of us was born needing hope to stop being so weary on trying to earn it, trying to do enough good. And guess what? You're not going to make it. And we don't have to. That's why he came. And he offers you, instead of you having to earn it on your own, which is impossible, and you just keep on that little, what am I thinking of? Uh, hamster wheel? There you go. <laughs> thinking of a, just, I got to go, 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 go. Uh-uh, rest. Rest in the salvation that he came to give you. You don't have to be weary from earning what you cannot earn. And that is his grace. He came to offer you grace for where you are right now. Tuesday evening, I was asked by Pastor Zot to uh, share with the youth at the church uh, on sexual purity. Well, that's fun. And, and they all speak another language. Even more fun. Uh, but we ended up having a, a really meaningful evening and was able to get some strong points said and still uh, have a comfortable conversation and actually laugh about a lot of it. And I realized something, though, after I walked away from that. I sort of missed an opportunity. We talked about the relationship side of things and having respect and doing what God asked you to do and all of that, but I, I didn't address, so what if I've already given it up? Now, we didn't have enough time right now. I was there plenty, and you, know, you, could, you could cover that at another point, but I, I realized, wow, what if there were people, you know, there were about 12 to 15 students there between ages 16 and actually on up into their 20s, what if some of them felt like, I don't know that this, is, this relates to me because I've already given up my purity. I didn't touch on that. Here's what I want everyone in this room to understand. God offers you a clean slate. His forgiveness is for everybody. If right now, if today, you have yet to start a relationship with him. He will forgive you. That's what he came for. He came to meet you right where you are. And in Psalm 103, which we're going to look at, I'll let you look at that whole chapter later on your own. But verse 12 in Psalm 103, he says, I, know, I take your sins away as far as the east is from the west. Now, let me tell you, we just flew 12 hours. That's a long way. And if, if that was as far as he did it, I would be, okay, that's far enough. But it, does east and west ever meet? No. He meets you where you are. He came for where you are. Where, whatever sins you are in right now, either as a believer or a non-believer, he came for that, to rescue you from that and separate you and give you a clean slate that is forever clean. Does that not give you hope? That's what he came for. He came for where you've been, and he came for where you are. Let's look to number three. He came for where I'm going. Mm. We just sang about that. He came for where I've been, he came for where I am, and he came for where I'm going. Say that with me. He came for where I'm going. Now, in Mark chapter 1, you'll see this verse. 
from uh, John the Baptist when he was speaking about Jesus before he met him. And he said this in verse 7. He said, he proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. So not only did he come for those of us who are outsiders, which is everybody, not only did he come for those of us who are sinners, which is everybody, he also came for those of us who are unworthy. John the Baptist said he was unworthy. All of us are also unworthy. He came to make you worthy. That might sound a little hard for us to, to, to receive when, when I just said we're all sinners. <laughs> well, how in the world can I be worthy? Well, you're not until you place your faith in him. When we do that, then we move from being unworthy to being worthy to stand in his presence, to pray in his name, to have a future based on my relationship with him, not anything I can do, my worth is found in who he is. My identity in the lyrics of, I don't know where Emily went, but in the lyrics, Emily, there you are, in the lyrics that uh, Emily sang, she, some of the lyrics were in there about identity. Who does he say I am? Well, he says, I'm his. He says, I'm worthy. And that's what he came for. He came to offer me something that I could not do on my own. I cannot claim on my own. I cannot earn it on my own. It's not possible. I'm unworthy. But because he came, I had the future of being worthy and being with him forever. Blows your brain. You know, it's, it's crazy. And what, that hap what happens then is your identity is changed. Uh, I don't know that you've thought about this, but I've thought about it. I've been thinking about this message for a couple months. Uh, Jesus was falsely identified several times. He was falsely accused. If you remember, he was accused of being a blasphemer because people didn't believe when he said, I'm, I'm the son of God. How dare you? That's what they said. To the point that they, they killed him. They called him a liar. Satan wants you to think that you will never, ever be worthy. That's what Satan wants you to think. Satan wants you to live in the guilt of your sin, the shame of it. That's not what Jesus offers you. That's not what he came for, to beat you up and say you're not worthy. That's, if you ever feel that way, if, you, if your self-talk tells you all of that stuff, guess what? That's Satan at work in your head. You agree with that? That's Satan at work in your head. And when you claim that this guy and this genealogy in Matthew 1 came to deliver you from all of that, when you do that, your present and your future are totally changed. That's what he came for. And when, when you do that, Revelation 3.5 is up there. Revelation 3.5 tells you that your name is written in the book of life, and it's never taken out. It's as if your name is added to the genealogy after Jesus' name and his genealogy. If that doesn't give you hope, something's crazy. You need to go take a nap or something. 
if your name is added to the genealogy of Jesus in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're worthy. Only because you decided, I can't do this on my own. I cannot earn salvation. I'm going to place my faith in this God-man who came for me. I'm going to ask forgiveness of my sins, and I'm going to live in the worth that he says I have, and I'm going to claim the promise that he says I'm going to be with him forever. Your name is never blotted out. It doesn't matter what the genealogists try to do at the public health department. (laughs) They can try to wipe your name out all they want, but they cannot take the pen out of God's hand. It's done. You have hope. The only reason you may not have hope in this room today is because either you've taken your eyes off of God and your eyes are somewhere else, or you've just never started. You've never placed your faith in Him. And He came for where you've been. He came for where you are today to offer you to be with you throughout all of eternity. That's what He offers you. If you've never taken that, today is your day. Today is your opportunity to take that. If you've taken your eyes off of him, today is the day to say, I'm sorry. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me worthy. Thank you that I get to spend eternity with you. He came for you. Are you living in that? I want to share one final thought. For those of us who are living in it, and we, we are celebrating that every day, we have a tendency, and we're tempted, another temptation that Satan can do for us, we have a tendency to not only excuse me, not only be labeled ourselves, but label other people wrongly. So here's a challenge for all of us. And what do I mean by that? You know, immigrants, when, they're, when they come into a new space, and we see this blasted all over our own TV screens here in America, immigrants, when they come into a new space, they can unjustly be mislabeled. You agree with that? If you don't even know somebody, how can you possibly know what their intentions are? I'm just saying You don't have to amen that. That's just my opinion. But when immigrants come into Fuhase, the city where we were, they automatically can be labeled based on the country they came from, based on how much money they have, based on their workability, based on their gender. They're automatically labeled. And here's the message that we have that we can tell all people. And it's the message that we just heard for ourselves. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for where you've been. Doesn't matter. Jesus came for where you are right now. You're in front of me right now, and that's all that matters. And I want to tell you about Jesus. And I want to tell you that you can have a future that's full of hope. If you want to know this Jesus that I know, that's where you'll find it. 
So it doesn't have to be an immigrant. It can be your neighbor. It can be your coworker. It could be your family member. And if all you do this Christmas is give them the gift of the promise that he came for them, then give it. Share it. And let them know the only label that you really need is the label that he came for you. Do you have it? And let them, let them decide. It's the same decision we all have today. If you will, let's all stand together.